I wish I knew what she was saying. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Noon on Tuesday. I am Gina. I am the cheese whiz at Venissimo, and I'm your host today. And I'm so super excited because today we are speaking to what I'd like to call monger-turned-maker, Shauna from Bleeding Heart Cheese in um, Sebastopol, Northern California. Welcome, Shauna. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Oh, my gosh. Um, and remind me, please pronounce your last name for me before I say it wrong. Dowdy. Dowdy. Okay, so Shauna Dowdy, everybody. And Shauna, um, I'm so glad. Thank you for bearing with us and putting up with us today. Um, we're going to show a picture of her up on the screen right now. Shauna, um, I'm going to start with a little tale, Shauna, of, of when I first met you, is um, when she worked and um, as a monger in our Del Mar shop. Um, and this was mm, seven, eight years ago, maybe, Shauna, <laughs> at this point, nine years was, ago. Um, yeah, it was, let's see, I started Bleeding Heart in June of 2009, and so yeah. it must be, that was almost nine years ago. Oh, goodness gracious. Wow, time, time. time this flies. Is super <laughs> flies. And, and, and this is going to be evident of, of what can be done in such time when we hear your whole story. But I totally remember you, Shauna. Obviously, you loved the cheese. But at that point, yes. you were very also much into the local brewing, um, brew makers association. Was it called Quaff? Something like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, my husband and I were members of that organization in yeah. San Diego. And I was always so, you know, you would tell me stories, oh, we're making this and, you know, all this fermentation and pH and this and that. And um, it was all, that's something that's just so interesting to me and something that I don't know a lot about. But I just remember even back then, Shauna, you were just like, um, I love this stuff. It's 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 just super interesting. And yeah. you, you're a true little craftsman like, artisan. Yeah, we were, you know, like food nerds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely a food nerd. <laughs> You're the prettiest food nerd I've ever known. <laughs> Thank you. And, and you can't see it today, but I'm going to tell you that even back then, you were very fond of pink lipstick. And I, in your honor today, am wearing pink lipstick. <laughs> and I'm wearing a shirt from your, from your creamery um, about the cheese with the curves, which we're going to get to in a moment as well. But regardless, here you are working as a monger in the shop. And I also remember the day that you kind of said, you know what, Gina, I've decided I'm going to go make some cheese. So take us back to, to that, Shauna. <laughs> I mean, it, you know what I feel like? It, I feel like you are the gal from Legally Blonde that just decided one day she's going to go to Harvard. <laughs> and I really think that, that is you. <laughs> that is kind of how I thought. I remember, yeah, I love that movie, number yeah. one. And I do remember that scene very well when her ex-boyfriend says, you got into Harvard? And she said, what, like it's hard? This is you! <laughs> because and that was kind of how I felt about, uh, I just figured, like, yeah, I can make cheese. You can make cheese, but this is not like just. I mean, you're amazing. I'm 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 now bowing down right now, right now. But that is really good. So what you what made you that day to decide? Yep, I'm gonna go make cheese. Well, when I started working at Venismo, um, you know, I just I was became smitten with the cheese. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, you know, it was fascinating to me that. You know, because in the shop, I think it, on any given day there were probably over a hundred different cheeses, right? I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were made from um, a few different types of milk, but yet they're all made from the same basic ingredients. They're all made from milk, and there's some salt, and there's some bacteria, and in most cases, some, um, you know, rennet, a coagulant. And, and yet they're all so different. Yeah. And so 
that really fascinated me. And so I wanted to learn more. And I started, you know, getting online and researching. And when we would get a new cheese into the shop, I would immediately get on the computer and look up their creamery and see what I could find out about them. And I was just fascinated that, you know, I knew that there was a particular, there must be some science behind this cheese. Everyone always focuses on the art part, the artisan part, and that's certainly important. But sure. obviously there's some science there. You know, there's, there's chemistry, there's microbiology. And, you know, because why else? Would you have things that are so different when they're made from the same basic fruit? Yeah, the so same that basic. Really kept, kept. Okay. And so and on, on top of that, you can eat it. So <laughs> Always a good thing. Me, yeah. So I just thought, this is amazing. I have to do this. this is, for me, it was just kind of like, I feel like when I went to work at Benicimo, that, and I always tell people this because it's true, that was when I really figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Oh, that's awesome. And um, so I... And I've never looked back, as you know. I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, I want to be a cheesemaker. So I'm going to go be a cheesemaker now. I'm going to go be a cheesemaker. And were you always kind of the nerdy science girl then, a little bit? No? um, Yeah. I I actually always did really well in science in, um, you know, from a very young age. And um, when I was in college, I actually started out as a pre-med student. Okay. And thought that I wanted to go to medical school. So I did take a lot of science classes. And in my former career, I worked at a scientific research institute. Wow. Um, my my okay. husband is a chemist. Very um, good. You know, Very so, helpful. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot of affinity for science. Yeah. Um, in in our in our household. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So you have a little, yeah, which is very helpful. So that's, that's a good start, an affinity for the sciences. But then you can't just Google this shit and then say, I'm going to go make cheese. You had to do more extensive training than that, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't, just, you can't just look up a recipe online and you're a cheesemaker and launch a company. Yeah. So, so where I, do you begin with that for, education? <laughs> so I just, I, I started buying books. Mm-hmm. And um, I and I had talked to a couple of friends who had made dabbled at home, in home cheese making, and um, well, so I started I bought started off with buying a couple of home cheese making books, and they were very inadequate for me because they didn't go into any detail or any depth. So it's just like okay, well, I want to know why. Okay, why am I doing this at this temperature? Why am I using this particular culture? Sure. It didn't go into those kinds of details, and I wanted to know more. So I started buying actual dairy science textbooks, like the kind, like if I had decided to go to graduate school and get a degree in dairy science or something related, I started buying books that would have been part of the curriculum. Like I would have had to buy if I got to school. Mm -hmm. And so, and I have, you know, a nice library of those now. They're very expensive. Yeah. But um, giving me more of the answers I was looking for and going into things in great detail. Um, sometimes to a little, you know, more detail than I really wanted, but that's, but that was really, that really captivated me. And also uh, another, you know, at this concurrently, I was also traveling around and starting to visit creameries. Yeah. So, um, after I left Benissimo, I don't know if you remember this, but in the spring of 2009, I went and spent two weeks in France. I took my best friend right. and we drove around and visited creameries. We spent a lot of time in the Pyrenees near the Spanish, the French Spanish border mm-hmm. where they make a lot of sheep milk cheese and, mm-hmm. you know, also Aradis from there and all kinds of other, you know, local cheeses that never get exported to this country. And but at that, that point, certainly... did you know what you wanted to make or this was part of your yeah. journey yeah. to discover? So, you know, at that point, by the time I left Benissimo, I knew that I wanted to make cheese in particular that I wanted to make sheep milk cheese. That was mm-hmm. how I started out. And, um, I, I was very naive because I didn't realize how. Right. 
So even though you can order sheep cheese in a shop, if you're a retailer, you know that you can order sheep cheese from Italy or Spain or France or various places in the United States, so not so much. But you, on that, at that level, at the, on the, you know, the monger level, the retailer level, I don't know how much thought really goes into, well, this cheese is, you know, must be much harder to make than this other cheese because yeah. this milk is so hard to come by. And because I didn't, I didn't think of that. I just figured, like, okay, they're, you know, we order sheep cheeses from distributors. They come in here, we sell them, and I have, they happen to be my favorite, and so that's what I'm going to do. I want to make more, you know, sheep cheese. Sheep cheese, yeah, and, uh, yeah great. No, I had no clue <laughs> what you were no getting into. <laughs> what I was getting into and how hard it would be. To find the milk and to to you know have a consistent milk supply, it's been very difficult. Yeah, but I was so I had no idea. I had no idea, no idea how hard it would be. Yeah, crazy. And um, but it, it was something that you wanted, so you knew it was. You didn't know how hard it was going to be, but you decided to buy sheep regardless. You knew you had to buy sheep regardless. <laughs> yeah, that was. Another, you weren't going to just like, order sheep milk. <laughs> Another legally blonde type <laughs> moment where I was like, okay. So I had started, you know, I started, started Bleeding Heart in June of 2009, mm-hmm. and I had rented a local creamery that had just started up, and um, they happened to be a sheep dairy. Okay. And I was able to get milk from them. But by the end of that season, they were taking off, you know, having successful therapies also, and so they couldn't sell me milk anymore. Uh, and so I thought, okay. All right. Well, uh, there's no dairies, there's no sheep dairies around here that are selling milk. There were only, I think, four or five sheep dairies at that time in California, and they Crazy. all use their own milk sure. for their own products. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, so, so I had a choice. I, I thought, okay, I can either not make sheep cheese anymore, or I could maybe get some sheep. And yeah, so? <laughs> so? <laughs> um, that's, so that's what I decided to do. So I just thought, like, yeah, okay, well, I'll just get some sheep then. I, I um, just... That's not like picking up, um, I'll just go get, you know, uh, a new car or a new, you know, like, I just, nobody, nobody should do this. Nobody should do what I did. Nobody should. This is your advice to aspiring cheesemakers. No. (laughs) Don't do it this way. I was, I mean, when I think back, so at the time, it seemed totally normal to me. Yeah. it, It just seems normal. Okay. If you need sheet milk. And nobody will sell you any who already has sheep, then you just need to buy some sheep. Sure. And so it seems like a normal, logical thing, yeah. even though it is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I got to say, though, so, that, yep, makes sense. <laughs> I, I, because, mind you, I did not have a farm. We rent a little house in Sebastopol. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're it's on an orchard, and our landlord was next door to us, and there are six acres of, of apple trees. But it's not a farm. It's not a proper farm. It's not set up for livestock or anything. And so I went to my land. I, I printed out pictures of, of dairy sheep mm-hmm. and made like a little brochure. And I went to my landlord, knocked on the door, and I said, I need to talk to you about something. Yeah. And I showed, gave them this. I basically made my own brochure for why it would be a good idea to have dairy sheep on the property. That's and awesome. And so I gave them, gave them that. And I told them that it would be temporary, that I was going to buy some dairy sheep, and that I was going to put up some portable electric fencing because I had gone online and researched it. Mm-hmm. And um, that the sheep were going to live there until I found a more permanent home from them. Right. And so um, I totally sold them on it, and they You agreed. did. It That's was, awesome. And they said, okay. And so then I managed to find a dairy farmer in Wisconsin, at a sheep dairy in Wisconsin, that was willing to sell me 10 pregnant ewes, ewes of female sheep. 
Because they had to be pregnant. That's the key. Of you course. can't milk any animal. I mean, they have to be lactating, right? Which people wouldn't know, right? Yeah. In order to lactate and produce milk, first you have to get pregnant. And so I had to have, I needed pregnant sheep. And I also had to figure out how to get them uh, to California. Oh, and so um, that was, so that was, you know, so every, every step yeah. along the way, I thought I was making progress. But then I'd bring it like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Okay. How do you transport? I can't just shove them in the car. I can't. Yeah. (laughs) And was it by plane, by boat, by car? What did you end up doing? (laughs) We ended up, I had my husband help me and, you know, bless him. He is such an amazing man and so supportive because he should have, I think anybody else would have said like, girl, you're crazy. You need to just stop now. Um, Right. But no, he was, he was totally supportive. And so he helped helped me and we went on Craigslist and we found a truck, a a four-wheel drive truck that had a, a camper shell on it. And so we went and looked at it and we did the calculations with the tape measure and we figured we could probably fit 10 sheep in the back of this truck. Oh my gosh. And so we bought this truck and I took a picture and made the, you know, uh, wrote down the dimensions and sent it to <laughs> the dairy farmer in Wisconsin. And he built a pen that was the same dimensions and put the 10 years that he was going to sell me in the pen to make sure wow. that they would fit. Oh and my god! So, and so and so then I, uh, you know, I set up, and so I then I did. I got the truck, and then in December, that was December of two thousand nine. I drove from here, from the Bay Area, to Wisconsin. Yeah. And um, picked with these with my sister. I had my sister come along for the ride, and <laughs> uh, we picked up these sheep. We arrived at the farm, and we, you know, the farmer had help there, and they they lifted them up one by one into the back of the truck. I, I can and, just. Uh, this... And then I turned around and headed back to California with 10 pregnant sheep in the back of my truck. <laughs> Shauna, that, this visual is awesome. <laughs> it's all true, and there are pictures on our website. Oh. And mind you, I had never driven a truck in my life. I drive a Mini Cooper in real life. Okay? Oh, my God. And, and not a truck. Not definitely with 10 sheep I in had... the back. <laughs> no, and this is a four-wheel drive. I've never driven four-wheel drive, and it was in the winter, so I knew we were going to have any, having to be driving through, like, snow and stuff. And we did hit a snowstorm. There was like blowing snow and ice oh, and going to Wyoming. Yeah. And then we got, we were, you know, it was just, it was a, just real. And then the heater broke on the way home and it was just so nerve wracking. Oh my God. And, you know, my, my sister and I kept opening the window to the camper shell and just like saying hi to the sheep and talking yeah. to them. And, you know, oh my God. we didn't know what else to do. You right. Know, thought, just I mean, keep moving forward. <laughs> you know, they're not like pets. You know, we were right. like, oh, they'll, maybe they're like dogs. We would talk to them and you'll put them at ease. Well, yeah. they're, these are livestock. They're farm animals. Different okay? ways. So, okay. but yeah, it's, so it was a crazy trick, but I didn't make it back. You and, made it back. Uh, okay. This is a random question, but like, did you have to stop to let them out? Like, you, you don't no. just drive so for two hours. Had, what do you... No. So I had to do research on that, too. Like, what do you do when you yeah. transport livestock across the country? Because I'm not the first person to do this. No, I don't have the proper rig for it, like, you know, companies that specialize in it. But yeah. apparently, depending on the length of the journey, you're actually not supposed to feed them too much or give them too much water because then they, like, pee and poop in their mm-hmm. confined area. And then you get um, ammonia buildup, and then it's bad for their lungs. Okay. And so I thought, oh, okay, because that was counterintuitive. I thought, oh, we need to make sure there's plenty of food and water for them. But then I thought, no, what am I going to do? Pull up on the side of the freeway and let them out on the <laughs> for sure to, the <laughs> to graze and yeah. so so my sister and i had it once we once the sheep were loaded in wisconsin we drove straight through we only stopped for gas oh my so gosh we drove straight through how long was it that was over 30, it was over 30 hours oh, 
God. So we drove, <laughs> we drove straight through because I wanted to get the sheep back home as sure. soon as possible. And so we did. We got them back to my house. My little house was about full. And we um, unloaded them into my backyard. And, uh, and they lived there for five months until they had their babies. Oh, my gosh. I, I got to tell you, if you could just see my face, I think right now I look like that crab in Little Mermaid with the <laughs> my chin on the floor because that's such a great story. It's all true. And it's yeah. crazy. And no no one should do that. Yeah. No one, I was, I had no experience. The only animal Zero. I have was my, my two weeder dogs. Okay? And they're very different. I'm, yes. They're very different, yes. <laughs> so I, I was... Yeah. Not qualified at all. At all to do to this. But again, to me at mm-hmm. the time, it seemed totally normal. Like, yeah. of course, this is what I'm going to do. Because you need and the milk, right? I? Yeah. I need the milk. I need sheep. I'm going to go get some sheep. And yeah, they can live in my backyard for a little while until I find <laughs> like proper farmers that they can go live with. <laughs> they can and live so... with and take care of. But then, okay, okay, this is all good. They show up at your farm. We don't know really what to do. But then you don't, how did you like milk them and have the equipment? You don't have all the equipment to do that. How'd you do no, that? No. And you have to figure well, that out? Well, they were. So they were pregnant, and so mm-hmm. I knew that I had um, five few months, months okay. to figure this out. Yeah, so they have they were newly pregnant, and mm-hmm. so I had five months to figure it out. And during that time, I was uh, networking all over here in the Bay, in the North Bay where I live, trying to find some farmers that would maybe yeah. want to partner with me to start a sheep dairy. And mm-hmm. so I did. I went through the Sonoma yeah. County Farm Bureau, and I made a flyer, and I had a picture of me and my husband and my cheese and the sheep, and so we were looking for partners. Yeah. And that's how I met, uh, at the time, Rex and Carrie Williams, who mm-hmm. were also crazy enough. They were already sheep farmers, though. They were legit. Okay. okay? So <laughs> they Whoosh. were already sheep ranchers. <laughs> right. And, and they had been pondering starting a sheep dairy anyway already. Mm-hmm. And so when they met me, they thought, okay, this is great because there's already a buyer for the milk. And so I said, okay, we can farm our own business, the three of us. The sheep will move to your yeah. property, and then that's where we'll build the milking parlor. And so, you know, I invested yeah. more money, and they invested money, and we bought the equipment, and um, we did. And so that's what happened. And so we did, and that became actually that's oh right. That became, that's, our dairy became the fifth licensed sheep here in California. In so California, we those, yeah, and we started milking those sheep in June of um, 2010. 2010. Yeah. So there were the and all the, the sheep had their babies, and I right. did successfully take care of those sheep. And feed them. And just so you know, I did those. I don't want anybody freaking out thinking this is like some animal welfare issue because I pampered those sheep like oh, they were queen. I'm sure. <laughs> oh. I named no. all of them. Oh. I used to go out there and spend time with them every day. The and, sheep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they were queens. They were queens. <laughs> that is just really great. So 10 sheep. It starts the whole thing. Ten how sheep. how much? How hard. much cheese could you make with those 10 sheep? So the milk from those oh ten sheep, like, to put in perspective, <laughs> yeah, like everybody kind of okay. I think knows a wheel, what a wheel of manchego or we'll get to fat bottom girl looks like. Say let's say it's a five poundish wheel. How much so could you that make? Would, ten sheep. It was not so it was not enough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't enough by a long shot. <laughs> okay. Um, so they were we were you know they were producing like it was like five gallons a day. And then it tapers off during their lactation um, season. So it was, we, they ended up trying to milk some of their um, meat breed sheep. They mm-hmm. also were raising sheep for meat. It was a breed called Dorset. Mm-hmm. But they would produce like a few tablespoons of milk. That's not going to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, mm, it was ridiculous. No. <laughs> they, had them, they had them there already. And they had some of these Dorset sheep that already happened to have just had lambs. And so they yeah. were in milk. And so they figured, why not? Let's just try it. Right. But it was, yeah, it was a total waste of time. Yeah. But, um, 
you know, I, I did end up managing to buy a little bit of milk from mm-hmm. other places, and I did some, some mixed milk cheeses, but it wasn't enough milk to make very much cheese at all. I mean, a, yeah. a cheese will average maybe half a gallon a day, mm-hmm. maybe, and that's only for part of the season. Half and then a gallon a day. Tapers. Yeah, and then it tapers off from there. That's kind of like their, that's the best case scenario if you can maintain that average throughout their, their lactation season. Sure, sure. So it's, they produce very little milk. Very little, Very little milk. But it's, um, do you need as much of it to make the cheese? Is, is that true with sheet milk? You, you don't, don't need quite as much volume? You don't need as much as if uh, you were making cheese from cow or goat. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get a higher yield because you have higher protein, more protein and more fat in sheet milk. Yeah. In particular, the protein is what's really important for how much cheese you get. Yeah. And so, yes, it's true that you do get more cheese per gallon of milk. Um, for sheet milk than you mm-hmm. would from cow or goat, right. but it still doesn't make up for the fact that sheep produce such little milk. So little milk, yeah, I think that's um, something that people don't realize. It's not all year round every day that they're no. giving you the milk for the product, which is hence and leads to the why sheep milk cheeses made here especially are, tend to be very expensive because yeah, right, they're very yeah. expensive. I ha- I kind of have this saying that I that I. You see cheese at a cheese shop like Venissimo or anywhere else that sells specialty or artisan mm-hmm. cheese. That the more the more expensive the cheese is, yeah, then probably the less money that cheesemaker is making. Making is because fascinating. That's kind of my because mm-hmm. I know when I when I go and I buy a lot of cheese too, and when I go yeah. to cheese counters and I look and I see the the more expensive cheeses and I see where it comes from and who makes it, and I know that usually they're a small company. And uh, I know how high the cost of production is. And yeah. so I know that, you know, people don't just arbitrarily decide to charge a fortune for their cheese because they feel like it. Or, exactly. I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> there are costs. Huge, there's a huge, the cost of production is huge. Yeah. When you're trying to do something like what we're doing. So, that, it, yeah, it's really tough. That makes me appreciate the, the your sheep story right there. Appreciate the first <laughs> wheel of fat bottom girl we ever had. <laughs> Yeah, you know what it took to get that. Yeah. Oh my god! I don't know if you remember that. That I do remember remember that. (laughs) And I remember shipping, and we're like, "How many wheels should we get? And how many can we, you know, sell? And how many do you have?" Oh my gosh! Tell us about that cheese, though, because that was your first. That's your baby, right? Yeah, Fat Bottom Girl was my firstborn cheese, Mm -hmm. and um, it was congratulations. It was yeah, that was. (laughs) So the I had been you know re- reading and studying a lot uh, to try to come up with a recipe for you know I had a particular style in mind. Okay. I didn't you know well a lot of people tend to do knockoffs of existing European varieties you know like if somebody has sheep milk they might think oh, okay well I'll make Manchego or right. I'll make Pecorino Romano or and I didn't want to knock anything off I was mm-hmm. very focused on making an original cheese mm-hmm. and so um, I but I knew that I wanted it to be a you know a firmer cheese semi firm cheese you know not too hard but not soft and that I wanted it to be raw milk yeah and you know so I had a particular format and I knew I wanted it you know probably have smaller wheels of cheese mm-hmm. as opposed to larger ones um so I had come up with a recipe for the cheese I had in my in my mind and started making it at the creamery was renting at the time this was the summer of 2009 and very early on, because so I had, at this time I had amassed a fair amount of uh, book knowledge, mm-hmm. okay, but I had zero hands-on experience right. with cheese. I had, visit, I had visited creameries, but I hadn't actually made cheese. Yeah. So 
I really had never made cheese. I was not a home cheese maker. I think one time I made ricotta at home from whole milk. But that's just, that's, that's just wild. Yeah. So <laughs> I was I was not a home cheese maker. I hadn't apprenticed or interned at any cheese companies. I had you know had like a couple hour visits here and there for to various creameries. Yeah. That was it. No hands on experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I proceeded to making <laughs> the cheese. Mm-hmm. And I think it maybe was the first or second batch. That I so I was helping out on this friend's farm where the creamery was located, and so I had was flipping. When you mix cheese, you go through a process called hooping, which is mm-hmm. where you put the curds into the forms, which are called hoops in cheesemaker lingo. And so I had you know packed them in there, and they pre- and they were pressing. And you have to take the wheel of cheese out and flip it inside the form periodically. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so so it'll drain properly. So I had taken the cheeses out of their forms called hoops. And rather than put them immediately back in one at a time, which is what you're supposed to do, <laughs> I took them all all out at once, and it was a small batch. There yeah. were probably 15 wheels, okay. but I had taken them all out, and then I realized the, t- the time, I looked at the clock, and I had to run out and help um, the, the farm manager get ready for milking the sheep in the afternoon. So I left the cheeses on the table, out of their form, okay? Yeah. Again, being a total newbie, having no experience of actually doing the cheese making. <laughs> And so it was gone for a couple of hours, and then I came back and, you know, got cleaned up after helping milk the cheese, came back into the creamery, and as soon as I opened the door, I saw the cheese was sitting yeah. on the table, and they had all plumped and fattened because <laughs> they didn't have the support of their forms anymore, their hoops. Oh. And so all of them were yeah. fat on the bottom. Yeah. And and I just saw them, and I immediately started laughing, and I went, oh, my, oh, crap. You know, like, I immediately... <laughs> Dang it. I immediately knew my mistake, but it made me laugh. I thought, and I actually thought they looked kind of cool. Yeah, to tell you the truth, they're beautiful. And so I came in and I thought, okay, let me see if I can squeeze this this back into shape. You know, because the curd is still somewhat um, malleable at that point. It's mm-hmm. not for you know, for okay. age. It's still yep. young curd, still draining, so it still has some moisture in it. So I tried to squeeze them back, you know, like squeeze <laughs> like them. Imagine put a girdle you know, on it. Like, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, like, imagine if you're like trying to put a corset on, like, you know, one who's like fat and like makes them skinny. It's not. It's, it's not, not good. Work very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was trying desperately, like, squeeze that bottom part of the cheese. Like, oh, that's hilarious. And shove it, shove it back into the the hoop, and it was not happening. It was not gonna work. And I decided, okay. This is not going to work. It is what it is. I just had to embrace yep. it. Embrace it. And so I, I had, that was it. Those cheeses were not going back in those forms. No mm. way, no how. It wasn't happening. No way, Jose. Um, so the mis- yeah, the mistake. The mistake had been made. Yes. The mistake had been made. There was no going back. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to embrace it. These cheeses are going to be asymmetrical, mm-hmm. and which is technically would be considered a defect, like in a contest or anything. <gasps> Sad. Um, and so I just said, okay, I'm going to go with it. Yeah. And, but the more that I looked at them and, you know, days went by and I, mm-hmm. you know, grind them and age them like I would normally, I really, really liked them. Yeah. And so I decided that because it was such a unique look in it and also just made me mm-hmm. laugh and it, it looked different than other cheeses, I yeah. decided to keep doing it on purpose. That's awesome. And so I had made a few more batches and, uh, and I just kept referring them to them as like, you know, the the fat bottoms or the big bottoms and then one day <laughs> I was making cheese and I had my I still had an iPod at this time uh-huh. before I had my iPhone for music and so I had it on a yeah. shuffle and yep. I had recently purchased Queen Greatest Hits Queen oh. Greatest Hits yep. and so it happened to come up the song Fat Bottom Girls on shuffle on my iPod and I just went like 
Oh my god, they're, they're <laughs> my teeth. That's they're it. Because I just kept, I just kept calling them the fat bottoms, and of course they're girls because you know it's girls well, who lactate and produce milk. And yeah. so, in my opinion, cheeses, cheeses are girls as well. <laughs> and so I just thought this is, and so that the second, so I just kept referring to them as the fat bottom girls That's because that great. was just the song came on, and and um, yeah, that, so that's that destiny. How, that was how that happened. Yeah, and that um, is, it was just it was. Yeah. yeah, it is kind of like, like, you uh-huh. could not make that story up. No. It's not, and you could not hire any marketing or advertising agency that could ever come up with anything like that. And it was my no. total own, just like lack of experience of actually, the, you know, the hands-on practice of making cheese that yeah. led to that mistake, that led to that cheese, and then this serendipity of that song yeah. coming on. and um, Destiny. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and to this day, it is our most popular cheese, and it's yeah. been our most award-winning. We've won the most awards with that cheese, and, um, That's yeah, so. so great, because th- there's a good lesson in that. Like, you know, sometimes what you think is the worst thing that could have happened, or, oh, no, can turn out to be the best <laughs> thing that ever happened, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really great. It's so, so distinctive, Shauna. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was distinctive, mm-hmm. and um, you know, certainly I did have that that influence of being a monger of Nismo. I knew that when you have a hundred cheeses to choose from, right. anything that you can have that makes yours stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, of course, the cheese. The most important thing with the cheese is does it taste good? Do you want to eat it? Of That's course. the most important. Yep. However, I do remember very well people coming into the shop, mm-hmm. and before they taste anything, they first and shop with their eyes yeah and they look at this they look at what are the what does the cheese look like what mm-hmm. is the name of the cheese and I remember that every day that I was yeah. behind the counter I remember that and so I knew that yeah your cheese has to taste good but before it before they get to taste it they have there has to be something about your cheese that's gonna you know pique their interest exactly and visually, it does, Shauna, t- tastefully, obviously, it does. Super delicious. Fat Bottom Girl, I know we have Thank some you. because we love it, too. It's just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we can never make enough. We can never, make, can enough. never make enough. That's a good problem, though, right? I mean, that was your it's dream, no right? You, you, you want yeah. to, to um, uh, not be sitting on them. You want them to be wanted, right? Yeah. 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 Dream come well, true. We've never, we've never been able to make enough cheese, of that cheese to fill yeah. the demand. We've never had enough sheet milk. That's, and it's still yeah. a problem. Still a problem. Day, well, even eight years later. Yeah, to get that she milk. But hence, that is now you have ventured into, of course, cow milk, which is more readily available. Yes. But also tell us a little bit about buffalo milk, Shauna, because you're into that oh, as well. Oh, yeah. So I have another <laughs> crazy friend um, who decided to start a water buffalo dairy. Mm-hmm. His creamery and dairy is about um, 10 miles from my creamery. Mm-hmm. And... During, he makes gelato with his milk. It's very delicious um, because mm-hmm. the water buffalo milk is so high in fat, he doesn't have to add cream like you would for making ice cream. You know, normally you have to add cream to the milk. Sure, sure. So but you don't have to. The water buffalo has so much fat, he doesn't have to add cream. So it's just, you know, straight up water buffalo milk and then the other ingredients that go into the different flavors of the gelatos. So what happens is that, um, you know, like you would imagine, you, you would imagine in the wintertime, people eat less ice cream and gelato and things like that. And sure. so in the wintertime, he ends up with um, some excess milk. So a few years ago, he kept begging me uh, about taking some of the excess milk. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't have time to figure out how to work with water buffalo milk. You know, at this point, I was already making sheep milk cheese, cow milk cheese. I yeah. thought mixed milk cheeses that are a blend of sheep and goats. And, and I thought, this is, I don't have time for this. This is mm-hmm. nonsense. No. No, just no. <laughs> you never say no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 
he, but he kept, he persisted. Yeah. And um, he finally at one point offered to give me some, uh, just a little bit of milk for free just to experiment with. And so I did. I said, okay, fine. It was hard for me to resist a new challenge. Sure. And um, I'm being a blue cheeses are some of my favorite of all time. Mm. I decided that, okay, because I, I you know, wasn't going to make mozzarella. So that's normally what people do with water buffalo milk. And sure. I have no interest in making mozzarella. Mm-hmm. I buy mozzarella when it's tomato, when tomato season, um, but I don't want to make it. Sure. So I decided, okay, I'll make blue. I'll, I'll try to make a blue cheese and see how it turns out. And I thought it was probably going to totally suck. I have no idea how. It <laughs> how does this out. work? But we'll figure it out. But but <laughs> a few months down the road, I tasted it and I went, oh, okay. Um, I can do this. I'm going to be on to something. Yeah. Like you know, this might work. And so I decided to um, you know do a couple of real batches. You know, buy arrange to buy the milk from him and did a couple of small batches and um that first the, the very first batch that i actually made in my creamery as opposed to the five gallons of milk that he mm-hmm. gave me where i made it at home okay um you know just for taste tasting so the first legitimate batch that i made in my cheese vat in my creamery mm-hmm. uh, was at the i think it was in 2014 it was when this happened i decided to send it to the world cheese awards just kind of like on a whim yeah. just to see what would happen mm-hmm. and it got a and it got a bronze medal i mean that's so just <laughs> And I thought that was kind of funny for the literally the first batch I ever made of that cheese. I mean, I'm yeah. not counting the one that I made on my kitchen stove, but um, <laughs> the first like real batch in my creamery to first to get that metal. So I thought, okay, well maybe I should continue this. Yeah, and maybe so I'm I onto did. something. Yeah. And then, um, so then we, you know, so then the, you know for that winter I made more, and then um, so it became became kind of like a winter production cheese. And I did the milk is very tricky. It's very difficult to work with. It's not like any of the other milks hmm. that we work with. I didn't have anyone to lean on. Um, you know, no yeah. who works with water buffalo milk. Exactly. No one has water buffalo milk. Right. And so I you know, I was really kind of on my own and I had to you know, I spent a lot of time trying to find, you know, journal articles and any publications that are any research that have been done on water buffalo mm-hmm. milk and it was really hard to try to gather information. But I really what it came down to is just the experience of working with the milk and drawing sure. on my experience of working with the other milk, mm-hmm. because at this point I've already been making cheese for, you know, a few years. So I, you know, really finally honed in on really nailed that recipe I felt. And the milk is still tricky to work with and there's and there is definitely seasonal variation and the cheese does turn out yeah. depending on what time it's differently, depending on what time of year we make it. But um, Isn't that the beauty of it though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, but mm-hmm. it's also challenging because sure. then you wonder like, well, wait a minute, why is this meal that I made in June not as good as the one I made in February? <laughs> and of course there's a lot of reasons why, um, you know, like grass, for example, we don't have any grass here. Too, yeah. So there's plenty of grass in February. And so that changes the flavor of the milk and, you know, just how the cheese, the cheese turns out. But um, the, the big thing that happened with that cheese, which completely caught me, caught me by surprise, and I will never forget, is that in 2016, last year, it ended up, ended up becoming um, coming in second for best in show at the American Cheese Society. Yeah, and congratulations on that. winning an Oscar. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> if you're a cheesemaker, that's like winning an Oscar. That is an so. Oscar, and you are so Oscar-worthy. That, that was amazing. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Because Thank you. Correct me if I'm wrong, there was about 2,000 entries last year isn't that yes. right just there shy was, of 2000 was, or right around there was all, almost 2000 entries yeah get yeah. that everybody 2000 so. entries and she gets like seriously almost the best in show which i could I, again hats off to you Sean. that's crazy on a cheese Thank you'd you. never it made crazy you'd never I made buffalo milk before buffalo yeah milk. <laughs> nor blues i mean blues is a whole different thing regardless and then buffalo They're milk very, on top yeah, of it blue cheese is hard yeah 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 
No, it was crazy. It's crazy. It's a moment I will never forget. Yeah. Um, ne- just, yeah, never thought it would. I mean, of course, every peacemaker dreams of winning best in show one day. It's like, just like anybody who works in the movie and, sure. know, the television industry wants to win an Emmy or an Oscar. Yeah. But I didn't anticipate that it would happen with that cheese. I mean, I knew it was good. I sure. knew what I said. You know it's delicious. But, but you serve so many good cheeses. I mean, that, that competition is mm-hmm. super competitive. Yeah. Um, it's really, you know, it, there's a lot of entries, and a lot of them are really, really good. Yeah. So you just you just never know. So sure. I was, yeah, shocked. So which one, which, a good way. which one of your cheeses is going to win this year? Because that competition's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, I which one? No <laughs> you know what? You never know. You never know. Sure. You just, because the judges are different every year, mm-hmm. and your, your your cheeses are different every year, and so are all of the cheeses from all the other entities, yeah. all the other cheese makers. And so, you know, the the cheeses might have a really good season. You know, I can tell you that that 2016 season of that Buff Blue, you know, yeah. the winter production cheese, was excellent. Just, that was, mm-hmm. those were some of the best batches of cheese I've ever made. Yeah. Um, and this season, we did, you know, we've already finished our, our 2017 winter render that cheese. Yeah. And that's, but they're, they're, I do have, I have already collected the wheels that I'm going to send you. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't, but I don't think that they're, that it's as good as one that I sent in 2016. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So you'll yeah, see, but you yeah. never know. So you never, never know. know. Um, yeah. Yeah. We never know. Uh, we always do really well in competitions, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Uh, because we don't plan ahead very much for them. <laughs> but the, the cheeses stand on their own. This is why you do so good, Jonna. They're so good. <laughs> we have a question. Of how many we... cheeses is she oh, going to enter? Pardon? Yes, a question popped up, Shauna. How many are you going to enter? This year? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably send five or six, you know, because we make, we make cow cheese, we okay. make sheep cheese, we make water buffalo cheese, and we have a mixed milk cheese. So um, yeah. we are not, yeah, so probably five or six okay. cheeses. And if people um, want to learn more about the ones you have, they can see it on your website, Bleeding. it's just bleedingheart.com, yes. is that right? Mm-hmm. Bleeding, yes, bleedingheart.com, and bleed like the sound that a sheep, sheep. or goat makes, bleed, not bleed. bleed. Yes. Bleed. <laughs> they bleat, B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G, heart.com. Yes. <laughs> Be, yeah, correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, so they, so they can, you know, so anyone can go, go on there and yeah. see about our cheeses. Uh, so, so good, and we have it. Yeah, we have the new cheese that came out very at the tail end of mm-hmm. last year. That's our first pasteurized cheese, and yeah. it's called Death and Taxes, which Did. is the namesake uh, of the beer that it's washed with. Mm-hmm. So we'll be entering mm. that this year for the first time. We'll see how it does. It's going to be in a very, very competitive category. Yeah. The okay. The wash and cheese category is very competitive. You can do it. Um, I have so, a feeling. <laughs> uh, we'll see. You never know. It never know. Did win a gold, it did win a gold medal this year in its first contest at the California State Fair. Congrats. So, awesome. Yeah, thank you. So, but it's a very different cheese than the other cheeses that we make. So, we'll see. Yeah. Pass dry, <gasps> short age, just wash yeah. Um, You know, I'm pretty happy with it. It's sure. It's great. Like, it's exceeded my expectations. That's super. But, um, you just never know how you're going to do in a competition. Of course. We might, not, we, we might come home with no ribbons, and, you know, that that's fine, too. Yeah. We're going to keep making cheese. Exactly. <laughs> It'll be exactly. And it's all good. And who knows? Yeah. And it, oh, that, which is so awesome. Before we wrap up, Shauna, I just want to know, like, what would you say is like just the biggest joy of what you do now and having it, it, gone on this super adventure? And you can definitely call this an adventure, an expedition. I mean, what's been like your biggest <laughs> <laughs> joy of, of what the, you've done? The biggest 
joy yeah. is that I I get to do something that I absolutely love mm-hmm. because I I you know had a different career before this and I used to make a lot more money and had more stable hours uh, and had some this thing called leisure time. Which, <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. No, but, it's been um, a while. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> But it, yeah, I mean, I do. I am filled with joy really every day that I come to the creamery and I just see the tangible result of my work and everything that I've done. That yeah. I've worked, you know, it's because this year, June is the eight year anniversary. I mean, part, so eight years. That's fabulous. Congratulations. So um, every day is a joy. Even on days when we have problems mm-hmm. and we do have problems. Everybody yep. has problems. I don't care what they say. Sure. They don't tell you or share a vote, but all they do. Uh, so, <laughs> magic it's beauty it's science it's it's an inspiration Sean. <laughs> and, and, and we get to eat it it's yes science, <laughs> back to that and you get to eat it i think we started there How we get to eat this <laughs> yeah. yeah we get to eat it and it makes people happy yeah i make something that makes people happy right and that that i think is where we will end that because I think you you hit that on the head and Shauna you are an inspiration to me and I mean to everyone and I hope that everyone listening is inspired by you as well please do check out you know the Bleeding Heart Facebook page and the website because you can see about all these cheeses and then come into the shop because you can of course taste any of them and Shauna love you to pieces next time back through Northern California we will stop by and see you best of luck at the American Cheese Society I'm going to be crossing my fingers for you you. And um, regardless, I'm going to eat what you make. So it's all good. (laughs) So thank you again. Thank you. you. We will talk soon. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. See you next week. My pleasure. Thank you, Gina. (laughs) Thank you. Ciao.